Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome back to this very special edition of the House of Pod, our 100th episode. Yay. That's Nadim. I'm Kaveh. I'm Lizzie. Nadim. And I'm Nadim. Uh, Nadim. And, I'm, and Nadim. I'm also Nadim. And I'm Nadim. I, we, we didn't play over that. I, I'm Kaveh. I'm Lizzie. And Nadim. I'm Nadim. <laughs> so for our. Uh, for our listeners, uh, Nadim is our uh, behind-the-scenes guy. He helps us put the episodes out on the interwebs. He helps with production, that sort of stuff. Um, he's come on once or twice at the most in the 100 episodes we've done. So it's really a pleasure to have him on. You might recognize him from his brief Twitter takeover uh, of the House of Pod Twitter uh, feed, I guess. I'm still learning the lingo. Uh, how was that, Nadim? Did you have fun doing that? That was a lot of fun. It was a lot of pressure, actually, because uh, Kaveh is like the meme master and the GIF master, and I didn't know mm-hmm. if I could, uh, you know, live up to that. Yeah, yeah, I GIF pretty hard. Wait, you guys, a- Ali also did like two. Oh, so we, we didn't forgot. even invite him to this oh, no. episode. <laughs> oh no! We forgot about Ali, Kaveh's <laughs> nephew. So that's cool. But he was oh. the guy that was. You guys were trying to replace me, right, with him? Exactly. It didn't work out. It yeah, didn't work okay. out. Yeah, yeah, no one, no one's as good as uh, doing disclaimers as me, right? Right. No, your right. disclaimers are strong. No, did you have fun doing that? You did a good job. People seem to like your dad jokes. Yeah, you know, speaking of dad jokes, I mean, you know me, I've always been a fan of dad jokes. And yeah, before you were a dad, it was really weird. Yeah, for the last 25 years, Kaveh has like hated my dad jokes. And finally, we've all grown up enough to appreciate those dad jokes. Is that what that is? I don't know that it's like appreciation. I think it's like you wear them down and you just like accept it. Yeah. It's acceptance. I don't know. That tweet where I tweeted the dad joke, I mean, that got so many likes. I was so surprised. Yeah, people people were touched by it. It resonated. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's uh, that's brave. It's brave that you did that. We appreciate you taking was, the, the Twitter away from Kaveh for a few hours. He, need, he oh, needed a break. You. Yeah. Thank God. Um, so this is going to be a little different of an episode. If for no other reason than uh, we are going to be drunk. celebrating we're during drunk. this and drinking. We're, we're getting there. <clears throat> or actually, we drink during most episodes, but this one's special. So we're <laughs> going to do shots now. Um, what are you drinking, Lizzie? I'm drinking um, a hard seltzer called Bon Vive. That's my yeah. new jam. I, um, I was, I've been talking to this company in Brooklyn that makes Persian beer. She's, uh, there's a lady who is brewing beer in, I guess, a Persian style. I don't know. I'm fascinated by it. She was going to send us some. Didn't get here in time. So I am instead drinking a Belgian ale called Delirium Tremens. Um, what about you, Nadine? What are you drinking? Just drinking water. You wild man. <laughs> Very boring. God bless you. <clears throat> Wait, is she really going to send you beer in the mail? Can we talk about that? I don't that's know. It's not going to go well. I don't know how it's sent. I don't know okay. the details is of that. This. But you can't. Well, you, well, I mean, Whistle Pig Whiskey sent us uh, whiskey and via the, mail. Well, that's different. Beer gets shaken and flat and gross. I've sent you a gun in the mail the other day, didn't I? You can send whatever you want in the mail. Is that what you? I didn't open it yet, but I'm glad oh, you told yeah. me because my kids were playing with it. Yeah. So I'm glad. Uh, <laughs> I'm just um, we have a lot to discuss today, um, or do we? I don't know. Maybe we don't have anything to discuss. But the thing I want to talk about is what we have learned in the last 100 episodes, if anything. So I'm gonna throw it out to you guys <laughs> first. While I drink, I want uh, Lizzie tell me what you've learned in the last 100 episodes. <laughs> I've learned, so, so for our listener, we've been doing it since April of 2017, so it's a little over three years, and we used to do an episode like kind of once a month-ish, and then honestly, since COVID and, you know, some editing skills on mine and Coffee's part, we're like, you know, every week now, we're essentially getting an episode out, maybe every one to two weeks. Um, so first of all, most importantly, I've learned how to use GarageBand. That's like the most exceptional <laughs> thing. Cause I'm not that, you know, I, I'm fine with computers, but like, I'm not that savvy. So I figured that out. So that was amazeballs. You know, I learned doing these episodes that it's really hard to get people to pay attention to a small and growing podcast. You know, we're doing this for fun. It's our hobby and our passion and it's like, you know, worthwhile. And I think I find a lot of, um, I do get joy from it, you know, and then we get, I get to hang out with Kave, not not so much Nadim as you guys know, because this is like the third time he's been on the show. But whatever, I don't take it personally. But it's like <laughs> it's quality time. It's good. It's like um, meaningful and and fun. And I I think some of the guests are so brilliant and informative and warm and gracious and honest. And it's like it's been really great, especially with the COVID stuff. Like I feel you know it lets me. I've been so frustrated with Trump and COVID. And it's like a great outlet. You know, I always had this. People were, we were cooped up in our homes and we could do this podcast and talk to people all over the country, if not the world. And that was like a great outlet for me during this uh, COVID quarantine crisis. I, I have had a similar experience. I've learned so much from the show, from the guests. I mean, I, I wouldn't even know where to start in that regards. I, every week I learned something new that like, I go out to work later. I'm talking to somebody and something comes up and I'm like, I'm trying not to be that guy who's like, well, actually on my podcast, we actually had someone on who told, I'm trying not to be that guy, but I've learned so much and I want to share it with everybody because of the guests we've had on the show. But 
But aside from that, you know what I, I, I think I've learned, um, and this is really important, I think, at a time of COVID too, but even before that, is um, it's probably the closest I'll get to um, consistently and routinely meditating. And by that, I mean, it's one of the few things I do when we're doing this thing, when we're doing our interviews, when we're doing our episodes, where I'm just doing this and nothing I just, else. I just texted you. Yeah. It's the only time where I'm just doing this interview. I'm just talking. I'm just, that's all. I'm not thinking about, you know, what is, what I need to do for work. Did I leave the oven on? It's just the focus. You put on the headphones, you talk to somebody. And I just learned how important that is to just have a moment where you're doing nothing else but that one thing. Single I think task. that's so yeah. single tasking. Yeah. And I, yeah. I'm, I'm a notorious multitasker, but this is the show is great because it makes me sit down, focus, and just do that, this one thing. For our listeners, Kave does multitask all the time. And I'm always annoyed. I'm like, stop doing that. I'm talking. And then he'll be like, well, I heard every word you said. And he'll recite back to me every word that I just said. <laughs> and I'm always trying to trap him. You in always like try to trap me. I'm like, why are you doing three things at once? And yet he's like one of the few people I know who can do three things at once. And I, I, I hate it. I hate it. I know. It. For me, it's like I've never seen that side of you because we spend most of our time playing music and you can't really multitask while playing music. Well, that's He'll, music, He'll figure it out. Music, no, music and basketball and sex before this were the only things in the past where that was the case, where you're out doing one act and nothing else was going on. But since we don't play music that much anymore, this kind of takes the place of that. I have a question yeah. for you guys. When you're having sex, if you yeah. hear me your phone- When me and Dean and I are having sex. Exactly. Okay, go on. When you are having sex with anyone, including one another, or, and your phone goes off and you can hear it vibrate, what happens? Are you just like, like boner killer or do you just work through it? I give Kaveh all my attention. I don't even notice the phone when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't get phone calls anymore, man. Now uh, it's all text no, no, anyway. No, phone so. calls. I, I, I'll, you know, I'll hear the text go off and then I just laugh and then, and then I can carry on. But I can imagine there are people in the world who get so distracted by it and then have to stop and whatever. No. Okay. Just curious. No. Yeah. All right, Nadim, what have, what have you learned? What's, what's your thing? So, you know, I'm not in the medical community like you two. So, I mean, the thing I've learned from uh, the podcast is just how big the medical community is and how many different kinds of doctors there are. And they all do diff have different interests and do different things. It's like you guys are regular people. That was yeah. the whole point of the podcast. You get it. You get us. You get it, it was worth it. It was all for you, Nadim. All stop. 100 episodes for you. You can, yeah, shut down now, right? Shut it down. <laughs> all right, everyone, uh, stay tuned. We're going to have some special guests coming up in just a moment, and it could be complete chaos. I have no idea how this is going to turn out, but we have so many of our friends coming by to stop by, say hi, and uh, have a drink with us. And uh, for this special 100 episode, again, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for, you know, uh, following us uh, online. And we're again on Twitter at the House of Pod. And you can find us at Instagram and Facebook as well, if that's your thing. Um, we really appreciate your guys' support. We uh, don't do this for any other reason than we really enjoy it. And a big part of that enjoyment comes from our interactions with you guys. So thank you again so much. Stay tuned.
Welcome back. We have two, not just one, but two special guests with us. We have Dr. Seth Truger and Dr. Ryan Marino, two returning favorites to our show, two of our favorite guests. So we had to have them back on for our 100th episode. Guys, thank you for coming back. Oh, hold on a second. Dr. Jen Gunter is joining us as well. Hold on. Special guest, everyone. We have with us today, Dr. Jen Gunter. Oh my goodness, this is so exciting. We have uh, so many fun people on with us today. Let's, let's talk about what we're drinking. Can we let's just let's start with that. Uh, Lizzie's got this Bon Vive, which is like a sparkling seltzer. I got a Delirium Tremens, which I'm working my way through, and then right. maybe a little bit of whiskey. Uh, Jen, what do you got? So I have a cure. I have some white wine with some cassis, because I'm fancy like that. Boom. What is cassis? It's blackberry cordial. And that's another wine? Um, like it's like a like a fortified wine, like a cordial. Like kind of I think it like I think if you were drinking it straight, it would be like a port or like it's a liqueur. Kava, you're making us look bad. Am I embarrassing you? I'm so yeah. sorry. Yeah. Because Seth Seth gave me like a really disapproving look. He's like, holy shit, this guy doesn't know what that is. Yeah. Like Cassis is. I'm just what Seth, what are you drinking? Uh so I'm drinking some bourbon on the rocks. Uh this is a nice bottle of uh, Hill Rock, which I do not know anything about. My friend got me as a little gift. Um, my friend Matt Brote, nice. great ER doc, program director at Vanderbilt. Um, <laughs> nice plug. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah. Okay. Also, I'm gonna point out by the way, uh, Jen was the last uh, Twitter person I met in real life before the pandemic started. Where and when did you guys meet? Uh, she was in Chicago, and uh, we had was it, I think lunch and yeah, yeah. We had great. lunch. We met. We were like, of course. Like I have, yeah, we have to meet. And I try every time I go to a city to meet someone who I'm friends with online, and oh, it was like. Yeah, it was awesome. We had uh, we had a lovely little lunch, and then you know, then catastrophe struck a month later. Right? You know, Kave and I, a week before the shelter in place, I believe we were both at this ginormous, hundreds and hundreds of people work function in Tahoe. Yeah, that was so, like, terrifying. And and in retrospect, I'm like, I cannot believe that we were there. Can you imagine if 500 doctors in Northern California all of a sudden just had COVID. All like, it would take been... is one person. But this no, is before we no wore outbreak. masks. This is before we knew no anything. Mask. Like I remember being in an elevator with this one family and there was like, actually, no, there's like eight of us in this one tiny little elevator and this one little family with this one little cute daughter, she starts sneezing like four, five, six times, like in a row. And everyone in the elevator is just freaked out. We're all like standing at the edges of the elevator, like trying to dissolve ourselves into the background of the elevator. Right. And, and like I, this kid just sneezing, we're, we thought we were all going to die. And I remember being so pissed that the food was no longer kind of self-served. They were having the people there serve us with gloves and stuff like that. And I remember being, you know, instead of 15 minutes in line, you'd be like an hour in line. And I was so pissed and it was all because of COVID. And now in retrospect, I'm so grateful that nobody was a super spreader. So, okay. I know, right? Like, I mean, it was, it's so crazy that, you know, we ha we actually have a vaccine that looks like it's being deployed, you know, in the UK in the next day or two. And that's less than a year from the first person getting sick in the world. It's right. just, it's mind boggling. Well, on that note, Jen, um, do you think that people will actually take the vaccine? What's your opinion? You know, you spend a lot of time debunking medical myths and, you know, vaginal rejuvenation and all that good stuff. Um, so do you think that people are actually going to take that? The myths surrounding yeah. the vaccine are probably outrageous. 
Yeah, I think, you know, I was in, I was reading a, a, some interesting sort of thoughts on all of that. And I think that the takeaway is that we should emphasize all the ways to get the vaccine, because I think that there's this, you know, there's always going to be this core group of vaccine denialists, and it doesn't matter what illness you're talking about. And we're never going to reach them. You know, maybe, maybe they can be reached in other ways, but, you know, podcasts, articles, talking about it publicly isn't going to reach them. But the problem is, is if we focus on talking about like all these vaccine fears, people who are kind of don't really know, they hear all the talk about fear and they think, ooh, gosh, um, maybe I should be afraid. Why is everybody talking about all these fears? And we kind of amplify it. So I think that what we should do is do social extinction with sort of vaccine fears and not give them any airway at all. Um, just absolutely ignore it to keep it as confined as possible. Um, so that seems to be the takeaway from all the research. I mean, I think that there's going to be people who are afraid, but I've been doing my best, as I'm sure everybody has been here, of every single person I've spoken to, I've said, hey, there's a vaccine coming. You know what? I'm going to take it as soon as it's available. And I think that goes a long way. I think when physicians extend their privilege, anybody in healthcare extends their privilege and says, hey, I'm going to step up, you know, you're using your privilege for good. So that's yeah. how I'm going to combat it. That's a great point. There are definitely people at work who've said, you know, are you going to, will you get the vaccine? And I've said several times, and I didn't even know that information, or I've never heard the term social extinction. Um, but uh, when they ask me, I say, of course, <laughs> if the CDC is recommending it and people with rep, you know, reputations that I respect are recommending it, of, co of course I would take it, you know? You know, as a non-medical yeah. professional, I would be afraid to take it because it seems very quick. Like it came out super quick. But that's the thing is the press needs to do a better job of explaining that the technology is not that new. That, I mean, it is, it, the, the pace of this vaccine development is, is very rapid, but this technology has been around for, um, you know, they've been sort of messing around with the mRNA vaccines for several years. So it's not, it's not as brand new as it sounds. And so when this hit, you know, all the people who were, you know, already working in this area were like, oh my God, we have this, we got this, we know what to do. So yeah. I think that's a really important message. So... I think there's a couple of reasons why I'm less, less pessimistic than I think I would be. Uh, one is that there's going to be a bunch of different vaccines, most likely. Um, only two of the big ones right now are the mRNA vaccines, the um, AstraZeneca one, and a bunch of the other ones in the phase, phase three trials right now um, are mRNA vaccines, and the rest are basically typical vaccines, like with adenovirus or whatever else you normally use. Um, so there's going to be a whole range of options. Just like, you know, I know people who get the nasal spray because they pass out when they get shots or stuff like that. There's going to be a whole bunch of brands in a few months. Um, number two is I think we have, there's one of the situations where you've got two bad problems that are kind of going to solve themselves. Uh, one is that we're not going to suddenly have 300 million doses of this in America. We're going to like slowly get like chunks of doses and have to go through a tiered process where the, the supply is absolutely going to be outpaced by demand every step of the way for months to come. I will be very, very happy if by like February, we have more people who want that, more people, more doses of the vaccine than we can give out. And like, I really, I don't know a ton about this, but from what I've read and smart people I've talked to, I really doubt that's going to happen. So one is everyone who wants it first and all like the first responders and other people in the top tiers are going to get it first. We're also then going to have, by the time it's like, just like anybody can get it, we're going to have months of people having gotten it. We're going to have months of people like, hey, Jen's gotten it, Ryan's gotten it, Kathy's gotten it, everyone's gotten it, Dean's gotten it. We know people who've done well. We're going to, you know, there's, 
there may not be like proper phase four follow-up trials, but there'll be like some data, both casually in the press and just kind of our own experience, as well as probably some real science stuff that's kind of come out by like winter or spring that shows that people are doing pretty well. Um, so overall, I think like it's probably gonna be pretty good. I also, and this is now me speculating, I think some of the surveys from a few months ago about like how people might be more reluctant than we hoped to get the vaccine, are probably more negative than we think because it's so abstract back then. Like answering a survey, yeah, I think I'll probably get it. Or I don't know. It seems shady, and Trump's kind of pushing Pfizer on it. And I don't know. It seems bad. Versus like, there's a vaccine. You can go to CVS, and if we all get it, the pandemic is over. Like that's yeah. a very, very big right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's going to yeah, depend think, a lot on the marketing. And I think this is probably just summarizing what Jen and Seth have both said. But the messaging that vaccine hesitancy and kind of like the rapid pace of this is missing the point. Um, vaccine hesitancy has always been a problem, will always be a problem. And what we need to focus on is kind of how we're going to get this out, how it's going to be equitable, how we can get this out to like the communities that need it. And I think especially kind of the underserved communities, the communities that have vaccine hesitancy for good reasons, like people of color who have been mistreated in the past with similar kind of situations. Um, and then in terms of the vaccine being being developed very quickly, this is it's not really developed that quickly. This is these mRNA vaccines are something that people have been working on for decades. And uh, the the coronavirus spike protein was something that was patented before the COVID pandemic hit the United States. So I mean this this isn't really really anything special. It's just something it's kind of uh, accumulation of science over the years. Science has advanced. This we're kind of reaping the benefits of decades of advances in biomedical sciences here. And isn't that science like a vaccine? Ten years ago, took ten years to develop. Five years ago, took five years to develop, and now it takes one year. You know what I mean? Like, isn't that just the way technology works? Is like we get faster at things. You know, I don't understand. I, Go ahead. I was going to say, but we're also seeing what happens when you throw a bunch of money at stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, when, you throw, when you throw global infection at stuff, you get a lot of trial participants. Yep. Exactly. Necessity yeah. is the mother of invention, right? Like this is like something we all know, like, holy crap, we need a vaccine. We are getting a vaccine. Right, right. If this problem wasn't so widespread, then we wouldn't be able to test it so easily and we wouldn't come up with the data so quickly. So Nadim, does that... Does that help ease your uh, concern getting the vaccine? Yeah, totally. You're totally going to, I mean, you're going to wait till Lizzie and I get it first and you're going to see how we do anyway. So I'm like the last person who's going to get it. I'm not in the medical field. I'm relatively healthy. I'm not old. I'm, no, the question um, is if you, had the if you had the opportunity to get it, would you get it? Just because yeah, totally. we are more important than you as human beings, does it? <laughs> oh. <laughs> No, it's, it's like, you know, how they have, uh, have food tasters. You guys will be my vaccine tasters. And, uh, <laughs> right, right. You're, the like, king. You're the king. Oh, no, I'm too healthy to get a vaccine. It's like a yeah. really good problem to have, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a good problem. All right, let me ask you guys a different question. Um, this has been a bad year, and um, people, <laughs> Wait, is, that, huh? is that an understatement? Yeah. Um, and uh, people talk about 2020 as if it's just the year that's the problem and not. You know, like well, as soon as 2020 ends, everything's going to be great. And we all know that's not the case. But let me ask you guys, and, and we'll, start, uh, we'll start with Ryan. What hope do you have for next year? What hope do you have for the future in general? Wow. Um, 
there's too many to count. But I think the biggest thing is just having people in charge take kind of science, medicine, health seriously. We have a lot of issues in this country. The coronavirus has only highlighted the issues that we have already had. These issues aren't going to go away if we solve COVID-19. Um, and so having an administration that I am very hopeful will take kind of healthcare and science seriously and put people who are experts in their field in charge of kind of making recommendations and making decisions is the biggest thing that I'm hopeful for. Um, the pandemic is not, not the only problem that we have in this country right now in terms of health, science, medicine. Um, I mean, racial injustice is equally as big of an issue in terms of kind of health, health and kind of health outcomes, not to mention a, a dozen other things that I could list off right now, but that's my hope. I don't know that that is going to happen, um, but I, I'm willing to hold out hope for it. Yeah. Well said. Um, Dr. Gunter. Oh, what are my hopes for 2021? Um, yeah. I hope there's, I hope, and I think this is a reasonable hope that there'll be functioning adults in charge of the government. <laughs> I mean, really, and, and that we're not going to be, you know, um, guided by the tempestuous whims of, um, you know, a malignant narcissist, basically, who yeah. is completely uninformed, as uninformed as a human could hope to be on almost every subject, who only <laughs> exists to serve his own immediate needs. Yes. Um, yes. Preach. I guess, Preach. I, I, I guess that's just really my hope, because I think that, you know, what that's shown us is, you know, how I think we take adequate leadership for granted. You know, I mean, yeah. I don't think that we've always had stellar leadership. And I think that, you know, as Ryan, you know, pointed out, we have so many issues in this country. But seeing what people who are hell bent on, you know, cronyism and ignoring science and basically, you know, leading, basically stoking, you know, all poking, poking all the wrong things, I guess, is the best way I can describe it. So I just, I just, my hope is that, you know, that, that we can at least get back to this sort of level of normalcy, which, which I think we can all recognize is something that we need to improve on. But right now we're sort of like in the sub-basement drowning and we got, yeah. we got to like get back, you know, we got to just get at least, you know, to below ground. Right, you know? right, right. You know, so yeah, um, yeah. So that's what I hope, and I, I, I also, you know, I, yeah, I think that's 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 my big hope is that we have some kind of leadership to help help us get out of not only this problem but many of the other problems that we're facing. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. We, I think, you know, we can all agree that no matter what, COVID would be a huge disruption and a terrible part of everyone's life right now. But I think it it would, doesn't have to be didn't have to be this bad, right? I, you know, there's no way any one good leader could have fixed it, but it didn't have well, to be like this. I'm going to interject here. Yes, and I, I think, I think that's not correct because there were doctors doing deals, needing planes from athletic teams to go get, to go secure PPE, yeah, right? Totally. Like there was personal protective equipment that was confiscated by FEMA from people who had ordered it 
accurately in the right way. And I think that if we had had leadership at the top, we would have been able to have factories all of a sudden, you know, there are things that can be done in times of crisis to say, you know, we're going to scale up production here. We're going to do here. There could be a national supply chain. I mean, the military has that, you know, can do this kind of thing. So I think that we could, you know, we could have had we could have had leadership that said right at the as soon as we knew that masks were what was needed, we could have leadership that stepped up. So, yeah. um, you know, so I do think that, um, of course, no matter who was in office, it wouldn't have made this go away. But I think these sort of catastrophic things of people having doctors showing up with briefcases of cash to yeah. buy masks, like, yeah. I just yeah. don't think that would have happened. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think I'm looking forward in a way to once the dust settles on this year to see the insane documentaries that come out about how <laughs> poorly run our country was and how much of this nonsense could have been avoided and it'll make me crazy mad but hopefully by then i'll be cooler about it i think we have a lot to learn about what's been going on um but one thing i forgot to mention is one thing we can look forward to is we can say madam vice president for the first time yeah yeah, yeah. in right. less than two months so right right well, yeah. The first time and on look, but look in the yeah. United States, yeah, unironically. Looking at uh, mm. other countries that have done well with the coronavirus, women in leadership seem to be kind of the theme. So, fingers crossed that 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 holds. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. It's um, it's time that we're taken out of the equation a little bit, just a little bit, <laughs> little dudes. <laughs> um, Seth, are you going to wear a mask forever from now on, even when COVID is done? Is that, is that your goal? Um, I'm not, I'm going to for a while. Um, I'm going to keep my beer as soon as I can. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I just want to say my, my, I'm going to go back to the last question. Sorry. Yeah. But, uh, it is, I think what I really want to do is, is bring back boring. Like I hope (laughs) this is a shock to the system that like remind us like, Hey, like serious things are serious. I mean, the experts and their expertise that do stuff. And I don't think Trump was like this big giant departure. I think he was a continuation of a path that's been going on for decades that I know about from, you know, Ronald Reagan and Dan Quayle to George W. Bush and, and uh, Sarah Palin that anybody can do this job and it doesn't really matter. And it's just own libs and ha ha ha. And like, no, this stuff matters. Like quarter million people are dead. And I'm not going to say that every single one of them would have been alive if we'd done a better job, but we could have done a much better job and it didn't need to be like this. Um, and I think just, I would love to go back to time where like, it's just not every little thing is like, what's the thing today? Like what's yeah. the thing we're doing right yeah. now? Like, like, I just want like, you know, I, I want to not know who's the head of whatever small, like, under- <laughs> department, you know? I don't want to know who like the guy in charge of the post office is. Right. I don't need that knowledge right. in my head. Right. Yeah. So, so, but, but an important point, Lizzie, and I, I don't want to totally skip your question because that's a good one is I think something that's, that's really important that people are going to need to realize um, is that we're not going to like get a shot and done. Like there's going to be a period after we all get vaccinated where things are going to be like they are now. Um, you know, the vaccines aren't going to be perfect. It's going to take time for it to work. It's going to be, uh, even if they're 95% effective, um, it's going to take time to get everybody. It's going to take time for everybody to do it. And 5% is still a lot of people. Right. Um, and we're still going to have to do all this mitigation effort. I think, you know, I love uh, esoteric analogies. And I think the best one I come up with right now is like when people are like, oh, well, if masks don't work, why is things like this, blah, blah, blah. Is it, well, seatbelts work, but seatbelts also go in tandem with things like crumple zones and brakes and trauma centers and road engineering and all sorts of other stuff, like driver's license, like all this other stuff. Like it's not, 
it's not just one thing. Yeah. We're not going to get a vaccine and like poof, be done with the pandemic. It's going to take some time, especially because some people won't be really vaccinated. Some people won't um, build an immunity when they get vaccinated. There's just going to be stuff that happens. Like it's going to be much, much better when we're all vaccinated, but it's not going to magically get better immediately. And the whole thing is to get the prevalence down as low as possible. So when there's a small outbreak, we can contain it, we can test and trace, we can, you know, not have, you know, not having for like fire because we've got, you know, some sort of vaccine induced herd immunity and we control it with mitigation efforts. Yeah. And yeah. the big thing I think from what Seth is saying to remember is that this coronavirus is never going to go away. This is something that's going to be with us forever in every part of the world. It has made it through all the seasons, through every continent. Um, and even with a vaccine, say we had a vaccine that was 100% effective, that would be 100% effective in preventing you from getting sick. It doesn't mean that you can't get infected, can't be contagious. So this is still going to be transmittable. If you're vaccinated, you, you should still follow kind of the recommended things. And so for kind of healthcare providers who are going to be the first ones to get vaccine, I think it's important to remember that you still need to do kind of the, the same basic public health measures wearing a mask, like doing all this stuff so that you're not spreading it to others. Just because you're protected doesn't mean that you can't, can't make this situation worse anymore. I think so, a couple of the people, I forget who have made really good points that like masks or probably the new gloves at work. Like we're probably going to wear surgical masks at work all the time. Yeah. I think for me, one of the big differences when you look at the data of how quickly the coronavirus spread in hospitals and like, like the healthcare associated infections and, and healthcare workers getting sick, the big divide was like, before we started universal precautions with masks and after we started universal precautions with masks. And I think yeah. that's going to be a big thing. And I think we're probably like all of us who work in hospitals are probably going to wear surgical masks with every patient encounter for the rest of our careers. Totally. I mean, I, you know, I, I used to get colds all the time and part of that's from my kids, but then, you know, another part of it's I'm sure from work, you know, being exposed to it, wearing a simple mask at work has become such a part of my daily routine. I don't see a problem with that going forward. The only issue, like you said, is the worst part of this particular apocalypse is that I can't grow up my beard. Like I want to grow up my beard. If I'm going to be in end times, I want to have a, like a big bushy, crazy beard. And I can't do that with the, with this, but. So I know there's some like uh, medical specialty difference here. And I don't mean to shame, but we stick tubes in other holes where we generate aerosols. So we have to do antibodies sometimes. <laughs> Wait, there's other holes? No. Wait, actually, we got we got a whole bunch of ones covered here. Yeah, yeah. one important this one, group guys. Covers all the holes. <laughs> There's only one important hole, as all gastroenterologists know. Um, so let me ask. Let me. Ask we you. call that we call that the hole of of tertiary of of that's the third level hole in OBGYN. <laughs> first level is the vagina. The second is the urethra, and the anus is number three. Sorry. <gasps> yeah, but lucky that's number offensive. three. That's offensive. That's <laughs> offensive. Um, so you're the author of Vagina Bible. P.S. for our listeners. Yeah. Awesome book. I like I read it like 10 to 20 pages every couple of weeks. It's like, you know, very informative. It's a little <laughs> textbook, but I love the editorializing and yeah. um, the comments and the history and the silliness and the truth. Like, it's just so, yeah. so great. Um, you. Do you think, what are you telling your patients as a gynecologist about sexual interactions? Like, you know, we talk about don't get on a plane, don't see your family for Thanksgiving, don't travel states because this is group gatherings. But like right. a one-on-one -on -one interaction, and we did a whole episode on dating, like one-on-one -on -one with a person that maybe you've been FaceTiming with or calling or, or texting or whatever, what are you telling your patients who want to engage in like a new relationship during COVID? 
Well, I think, you know, as always, you have to, you know, um, be selective about partners from an infection standpoint. And you just always have to have that consideration. So whether you're, you know, choosing, you know, every single person that you, you know, you know, newly encounter sexually, certainly there is always a risk that you can be exposed to an STI. And with COVID, that sort of increases it, that you can have that exposure even without physically touching the person. So I think it just depends on different people's risk tolerance. And I think that, you know, simply explaining, you know, how things are transmitted and, you know, giving people the tools and then letting them make the choices that work for them. I know there've been some guidelines that have come out like about wearing masks during sex. And I'm just like, that's totally untested. So <laughs> I just, I, I really feel that that, you know, obviously if you're, you know, playing tonsil hockey, the risk of transmission is likely higher, but <laughs> I don't know if you're like, you know, this far from each other and breathing heavily, but wearing like, a, you know, a mask, if that's really an illusion of safety or not. Um, right. So I think that it's really hard to advise people when they're these unknowns. And so you just, you know, kind of have to explain the risks and say that, you know, that these are the risks and this is the best way we know to protect yourself. And, um, you know, the, and then, and then go from there. Yeah. I remember really early on, uh, probably like late March, uh, I forget who it was. Someone on Twitter was like asking questions, like asking, answering questions about sex and stuff during the pandemic. And someone's like, can you have sex during the pandemic? And someone just like with like perfect, like perfect cool wit was just like, can you do it over six feet apart? <laughs> six feet apart? Yeah. <laughs> well, I well, think it, there was like a Canadian government official who said, like glory holes were the way to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they said that, but that's actually really hard for women to achieve receptive vaginal intercourse that way. And as, yeah. um, as penile penetration is the least reliable way to achieve orgasm, um, you know, I think that uh, that would require maybe some, some architectural modifications <laughs> on the glory hole. I love only Canada will be yeah. like, please yeah. use our public facilities to fuck one another <laughs> through random holes. Like, of course um, the, I'm sorry, am I the <laughs> only one who remembers the naked gun? I mean, like, we have an answer here. <laughs> the body condom? Yeah. yeah. The plexiglass yeah. solutions are just endless. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you can mold it to shape. I mean, I think that it's really unfortunate. I mean, I think that um, it's shown us, I think, how fragile, you know, social connections really are and, you know, how much we, you know, people are missing that. And so yeah. I just, I think that people just have to, you know, it, you have to sort of trust the person that you're, you're with and talk to them about bubbles, if that's something that matters to you. Um, and I, I mean, from what I've seen, and I live in the Bay Area, so obviously, you know, we're, I think we're in an, it's uncommon to see someone without a mask. I can't remember the last time I saw someone out walking with a mask. I went for a run today. I'm still actually in my running stuff. I saw my mask mm -hmm. on. And um, I didn't see one person out biking, exercising without a mask. Even the little kids, because some of our schools are in part-time, like the elementary, all riding their bikes home wearing masks. Yeah. So, you know, so I think that, there's, you know, but if you're, so if you're someone who's talking about going out on a, you know, on a, a socially distant state with someone in the Bay Area, you might be at a different level of risk than if you're somewhere in North Dakota, right? Right. right. Yeah. Um, Mrs. Ware actually asked me today, we were talking about um, like what age group is the, probably the, all of us worst for. And like, I was like, number one, like we are the best, right? We're like, 
not young but not old medical professionals who like get to go to work mm. get salaries get to like see people at work have contact like i want to sit on my couch and watch netflix i want to not go to bars <laughs> at 10 o'clock at night right like i, I want to cancel plans and um you know but like if you're like a 25 year old who has like a normal job and like doesn't work in medicine like and you're not like in a serious relationship where you live with somebody you're married like you're screwed like it sucks yeah. like, you're getting to ryan's level right there ryan's yeah. looking at you like come on man what <laughs> Are you calling me out, Seth? I'm saying, like, at least you have a job and you get to see people at work, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, this is, it's, a, it's a continuous scale. But, uh, you know, it's, it's like, uh, you know, the fact that I, I get to hang out with my kid, my dog, my wife, and not do stuff and then go to work and get paid pretty well to do this. Like, and like, yeah. Ryan and I have like amazing job security right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's real positive. You're a real glass half full kind of guy. I like that. Um, amazing career security, not That's job right. security. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. I think as doctors, we are incredibly lucky. We do have an excuse to leave our house and go to work. Um, you know, and the people who are screaming out there, I don't want to wear a mask. It's not the, the people who are suffering the most, you know, the people who are in the service industry and our immigrant population who are the cleaners and hotels and yeah. the servers and restaurants, which are, they're the ones who are suffering and living on the streets now. And like the, that's not the people that, that we are interacting with on a daily basis. And that's clearly who is suffering the most. And we just don't have that. I don't have those interactions and it's, and, and it's terrible. And you know, they're going to be much worse for the wear after all this. I think that's a really good point. I mean, so like people say healthcare workers are heroes, whatever, whatever is happening. I, I don't believe in any of that. I think that's all nonsense and I, I don't appreciate it. Um, sure, like if someone wants to thank me, that's great. But healthcare workers are not heroes. Healthcare workers do not sign up for, for this. Um, but the people who get overlooked are the other frontline workers who are like grocery store workers, postal workers, people who deliver your food, people who drive the Ubers, people who drive taxis. Those, those kind of people are really the, the frontline people who don't have good job security. They don't get the same benefits. Um, and like I maybe took a pay cut during COVID, maybe took a benefit cut during COVID, but, but these people probably don't even have the same kind of benefits and definitely don't have the same kind of pay that I have. And so I, I feel like they go overlooked so often. Um, and yeah. when we, when we talk about this, like, they really are the front lines. The the more people are showing up to the grocery stores than are showing up to the emergency department. And so even though I can't stop thousands of people from coming to the emergency department and exposing me to COVID, like the people who work in the grocery store checkout line can't stop hundreds of thousands of people from coming. Um, and, and that's kind of really the front lines. Yeah. And, and to kind of build on that, I think for me, the like saddest like individual experience I've had this whole time was, um, I took care of one of the, a hospital worker who was, I don't want to get too much to details, but like an hourly worker in the hospital who's not a medical professional who, you know, doesn't get paid as much as me, had, you know, you know, not from the same socioeconomics, uh, not the same, not the same race, ethnicity, et cetera, got paid like shit compared to what I get paid and got COVID early on in the surge and we intubated him for COVID. And it was like the saddest thing. I was like, I'm going to work. I've got cheaper parking now. I'm getting paid really well. Like I get to like embrace this pandemic in a meaningful way. And this is someone who's showing up to work and like doing their like job that none of us would ever want to do and gets paid like crap for it. Uh, and you know, when we were like, you know, talking about goals of care and stuff like that, you know, he's just like, you know what? I trust you guys to take care of people. You're going to take care of me. Yeah. Oh. 
Yeah. I, I do think it is important also to point out, actually, there's a lot of physicians that are out of work because of COVID as well. I know several people had to close their practices because they're in private practices or they're in big groups and they just, you know, completely, you know, I'm sure the administrators aren't taking the pay cuts. Um, and, you know, so, I mean, you know, obviously a lot of these, these people, you know, have perhaps, you know, more socioeconomics to sort of, or, you know, to rely on, but, you know, some of them are right out of practice at massive student loans. And so I think that, um, it's just, it's been pretty devastating across the board, obviously. Yeah, I mean, the number of people who are filing for unemployment is just astounding. Yeah, yeah. and now in December, and so many of my patients are emailing me, I'm so sorry, I have to stop talking to you because I'm losing my insurance, oh whatever is happening. It's so sad, I've had so many patients in the last couple of weeks just email me goodbye or cry on these video visits, and it's, it's, oh. it's heartbreaking, and they're all, you know, restaurant employees or cleaners and hotels and stuff. And it's, it's just, it's the worst. It's the worst consequence of what's going to, the poor are going to get poorer. Everyone else is probably going to stay the same. It's, it's, it sucks. It's shitty. Yeah, that, that was actually one of, one of the things I really hated early on. We were like, oh, the pandemic is affecting everybody. You know, it, it affects people from all walks of life. It's like, yeah, of course it does. But like, it affects the most vulnerable people the most. Like those right. are the people who are getting hit the most. And, you know, it's, it's the, the opposite of the rising tide, you know, raises all ships, which by the way is bullshit. Is that, is, is that rising tide like drowns the smallest ships first? Like it's. Yeah. 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 I mean, Chris, Christy survived COVID, but uh, I'm, a lot of 260,000 Americans so far have not survived COVID. So that like, kind of tells you everything you need to know. And I think if, if you're worried about kind of like healthcare systems and how they respond to, to this, I would encourage everyone to just like Google. There's a very good graphic for kind of healthcare administrator salaries or costs versus kind of healthcare expenditures as a whole. Um, and you can kind of see overall the rise. And what we see here is that there is no kind of reserve for something like a pandemic. There's a massive increase in all these non non medical expenses in our healthcare system. And that's where we are. There's there's two tiers of healthcare in the United States and 260,000 people are dead because of it. Oh, Ryan, there's way more than two tiers. There's lots of shitty tiers and like a couple of good tiers. <laughs> I mean, that's always been one of my favorite things. Like, I know um, I don't want to get too much into the want crap because I'm a health policy nerd. But, um, but like people are like, oh, if we have some sort of like, you know, Medicare for all and then a private thing on top, there's going to be two tiers and blah, blah. It's like, are you kidding me? We've got like a billion tiers right now. Like, like there's, there's people who've got like good employee sponsored insurance, people with like mediocre employee sponsored insurance, people with like, good independent insurance people with like good medicare and crap medicare like there's, there's like yeah even people who have medicare like don't necessarily have good medicare right 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 yeah that's a good point there are maybe a couple tiers that are good and there's a lot of tiers that are bad and a lot of people that are going to suffer a lot from this and have already and uh Two. This is our hundredth episode. We're supposed to be oh. celebrating. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? I'm gonna have another drink. Need, Hold on, I you guys keep get talking. Another drink. I'll be right need, back. You guys, I need cassis. I need some cassis. <laughs> is that what she said? Yeah. Which, by the way, it sounds like a cousin I might have, like Cassis, Nadim. <laughs> do you have anybody named Cassis in your family? Because I feel like we should. One between yeah. the two of us, Ryan. Um, you're essentially a host. You're like the fourth beetle, so to speak in this case and uh like so you're the, used the to real talent you're the real <laughs> talent yeah it's if we are we've already acknowledged that the show will go to you at some point and yeah. there will be like 
there'll be some other people coming in and you and your other hosts, and maybe you'll have us on in the future. But before you take over completely, while we're still kind of hosts, um, you have some questions for us. Can you yeah, share them with us? So what was your favorite episode out of the past 99? I know mine. I know Cave's as well. Should I tell everyone? It's Sharky Laguana. Yeah. My, my, uh, first of all, <laughs> I, we loved all you guys because if we yeah. didn't love you guys, we wouldn't bring you back. That's pretty yeah. clear. Like we, yeah. Whatever. We, we really enjoy. Like I, no, I'm being totally honest when, and I'm going to try not to embarrass you guys, but you guys are, are so much fun. And it's so rare that we like can meet people over the phone or over the video visits and we feel like we know them. And, and Jen, obviously we, we met before and, you know, huge role model to us. So you guys are amazing. But Sharky Laguana is a, a musical hero of mine and I play music as well. And so it was one of those rare situations where you meet one of your heroes and they turn out to be super cool. And like in a way that you didn't expect. And, and he's so smart so that smart. like it blew me away. He diagnosed himself with poems. The guy is like- He's conquered music um law he had his own medical shit and now he's conquering politics like you nobody in the world does that like i think yeah. he's an exceptional person he's, he's a guy i go to for advice he's like but my the, like, like my but lizzie the question is did he conquer the physical world and is he the ultimate fighting champion <laughs> that's like I a just... friend's reference sorry back to me um so <laughs> So my favorite episode, I'm not sure. I think I really did enjoy the episode with my father. My dad is um, like a public health advocate, very anti-tobacco. And therefore, I will back him up. If you're anti-smoking, then, then you have to think of anything else that could, you know, take the sub, be a substitute for smoking. So he's like a little bit pro-vaping with like a very cautious pro-vaping, but pro-vaping, anything better than cigarettes. Tobacco-vaping really, or? He... As long as you're not smoking cigarettes, he doesn't, he honestly, fundamentally, he doesn't give a fuck. Just stop smoking cigarettes because it's clearly the number one cause of preventable, terrible diseases in human beings. Um, and that's all he cares about. He's very ruthless and very kind of Machiavelli about like, stop smoking. And Kali was sort of going after him. Because <laughs> I'm not pro-vaping. Just to nobody, be clear, nobody's I'm pro, not pro smoking. Pro I'm not pro tobacco. But he's but saying, and we went at we went at it a little yeah. bit, and it was like very amusing for me because you know it it was amusing. But my dad came up with like all these conspiracy theories, and, and I didn't realize he was so crazy. But it was <laughs> it was kind of fun on the on the episode. That was like the most kind of fun, sort of stressful episode. I really want to do this with your dad now. This sounds yeah, like a yeah. lot of fun. No, <laughs> it's, it's, it's super like fun. This is a field where like, I know a little, like, I, like I've got an MPH, I know a little bit about this stuff. My journal yeah. does a ton of tobacco and vaping stuff. So like, I yeah. kind of know a little bit, but I don't yeah. like, I understand some of it, but not yeah. the whole thing. And like, this sounds fascinating to me. I definitely want to see <laughs> you guys go toe to toe. Um, but the other one, like intellectually that I thought was kind of cool and like sort of a fan, fan boy or whatever, fan girl thing was when we had um, Dr. Mona um, Hanna Tisha, who like totally revealed the whole Flint water led poisoning crisis and i saw her on 60 minutes like five or six years ago and then we had her on our show and then she was on 60 minutes again and i'm like this is super cool like she's just so again passionate about revealing and publicizing how terrible the whole water system was and how terrible it was for the kids in flint michigan and i just i, I was really excited to have that and that's an episode that i love 
That's really cool. And before when uh, you asked Jenna a good question that I didn't get to answer, um, which was uh, like, what are you, not the, what are you hoping for, but like, what would you learn or whatever? And, and my like positive spin thing was uh, there's this great Kurt Vonnegut quote that true terror is to wake up one morning and discover that your high school class is running the country. And I feel like this whole like pandemic thing is like partially like, holy crap, people who are like younger and often less qualified than like us and our peers are in charge. And that's part of the reason why we're in this mess. But also like the, the good side of like, holy crap, like my friends are like on the news every single day right now. Like right. we're like Megan yeah. Reddy, Esther Chu, Derek Cass, Craig Spencer, like all of these people who are like people who are like, I have beers with at conferences and like, like, yeah. like mess around with and like I, I know I indirectly know somebody on the coronavirus task force like okay. it's crazy like yeah. and it's yeah. like like part of it is like oh my god this is terrifying like like should I be doing more and like part of it's like <laughs> it's like crap like I, I want Megan Rennie in charge like she is great Jen you should be in charge of things please be in charge of things um I'm in charge of the vagina <laughs> I know <laughs> and the vulva <laughs> I'm in charge of keeping people in orgasms and things like Ooh. that so you know, so I'm trying to keep everybody happy and 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 out of the ER, um, you know, so you guys can take care of you know people. God bless you. Is this but the time then, yeah. on the show when we talk about vibrators? Sure, anytime. No, that's a whole oh, other episode. Okay. I want to dedicate like an hour to that. Okay. When do you no, want to do that? No. Let's set that up right now. Let's get that in the book. Let's talk about Tomorrow. vibrators. Yeah. Vibrators are important because if people don't have access to that, they put. Carrots and parsnips and and jade <laughs> eggs, jade eggs, yes, and gra granite eggs and other things. I've and that's the when they see all of us, both right. 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 See, I perform a very valuable service protecting the emergency department. I am the first line of defense. God there. bless you. Yeah. You're doing yeah. God's work. And okay, next, everyone, next week uh, on House of Pod, Jen Gunder and vibrators. <laughs> Oh my God, I totally, we can go through everything. Just don't be afraid of the plug-ins though. Just don't be afraid. Oh, Sometimes we, we, we need that extra current. Agreed. Let's talk about that. But- I didn't um, know that was an option. That's uh, totally an option. Anyway. Oh my God, we totally can. Although, yeah, absolutely. We'll go wild. I, I, I'll drink Canadian whiskey for that one. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, thank you guys so much. I can't express to you how much we love you guys. You guys have been great. Um, we really appreciated having you guys be a part of our like house of pod family. And we really appreciate everything that you guys are doing outside of the show. You guys, this is more important than ever than you guys are doing what you're doing. We love that you guys are out there on social media, fighting the good fight constantly on a daily basis. I want everyone to be able to find you and to follow you. Um, Ryan, tell us where people can find you. I am on Twitter at Ryan Marino, R-Y-A-N-M-A-R-I-N-O. Absolutely recommend must follow. Uh, Seth, where can people follow you? I am also on Twitter, uh, probably way too much, at MDAware. <laughs> Another amazing must follow site. That's a given. And then Dr. Jen Gunter, please tell us where we can follow you and also where we can get the Vagina Bible. <laughs> Ooh, um, so you can follow me on all platforms at Dr. Jen Gunter, and you can buy the Vagina Bible everywhere. And you can also pre-order my new book, The Menopause Manifesto, which will be out uh, May 25th. Oh my God, we're going to plug that as well. Can't wait to read that one. And we'll talk about vibrators with you in just a little bit. Thank you guys so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. Guys.
Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Sharky was in uh, one of my favorite bands of all time, a band called Creeper Lagoon, a band out of San Francisco, one of, you know, our pride points here in San Francisco. He hates it. Look how uncomfortable he's already getting. You don't but hate like, it, Sharky. But like, Come on. But like, I mean, I'm not like talking about like me and Nadeem's band. Like it was like a real band. Like, they were spin magazines, like band of the year. They were on like a bunch of different albums. They're amazing. And then he like decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to become a really successful businessman. And then after he did that, he was like, you know what? I'm going to become a politician. And now he's like the, the czar of the Small Business Commission in San Francisco. And he's like one of the guys responsible for the reason we're doing, I wouldn't say great, but not any worse than we, we could or should be doing. So Sharky, this is med Twitter in a nutshell. There's Ryan Marino, Dr. Jen Gunter, and Dr. Seth Truger. These are like the big med Twitter like names. You left out my 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 own uh, journey into medical. Med- uh, no, no, no. We talked about I it before them. you got here. I told we them. said okay. you conquered music, Poems. law, medicine, and now yeah. politics. We're we we're all up to date on your resume. Okay, so. got it, got it. And by I the way, Google poems. <laughs> no, nobody, nobody knows poems. By the way, except for yeah. Sharky. Well, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you know po- uh, polyneuropathy, organomegaly, endocrinopathy, uh, monoclonal gammopathy, and and skin changes? I mean, it's an acronym that just rolls right it off. Just the rolls top. off, right? Look, I'm a simple emergency doc. I don't understand these. Look, things. you didn't mention vagina, so I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, Jen is a gynecologist. If you didn't, yeah. Know. And if there's no drugs involved, then I can't pay attention. Right. Ryan's a toxicologist. So um, I have a question for you. <laughs> okay, let's just get right to it. How is the Peloton working out for you? I've noticed that you have increased your, your, your number of exercises, uh, albeit maybe not the intensity. <laughs> oh my God, we were on the phone the it's other day and he's like, I'm on the fear. Peloton. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like you're on the Peloton. You don't understand. So the Peloton, what, what you do is you're an online community and you can see your friends and how they're doing. And my worst fear is that Sharky, who is one of my friends on Peloton, would look to see what I'm actually doing <laughs> on Peloton. Oh, it's just like no. an actual fear that I have when I get on Peloton. Uh, okay, uh, okay, so look, I, I got to preface it a little bit right like so i had a couple years i couldn't walk so um i'm really sort of like hyper like um how how far back behind the pack am i right like uh uh how 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 debilitated am i after you know all these years and so it's like a uh, i wouldn't call it a competitive thing but it's like okay can i can I get, you know, to 50% of normal or 60% of normal or 70% of normal? You know, I'm like trying to measure. Kave yeah. should not be your normal. He should be the well, bottom well, of the barom- of the measuring tape. We all know this. I have, uh, what I've found is that um, Peloton is this false universe that is um, surprisingly um, uh, plays to whatever strengths I have because among all of my friends, I'm definitely doing the most intense output 
uh, Son by of like, a bitch. Like, he's yeah. right. I've looked. It, yeah. He's really he's yeah. doing a lot, and it's intimidating. And I, I think that it, I think that if you dropped Kaveh from your profile of friends, you would see that you're not doing as well as you think. <laughs> it, well, no, 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 no. But this is the thing. Like some of my friends, right? Like so, I, I went on a, a mountain bike ride. Like first time I've been on like a real mountain bike, and I, you know, I don't know, like ten years or something. Um, and so I had to, like, literally my mountain bike had cobwebs on it and they're like, uh, you need to like, uh, uh put some air in those tires and you know, all this stuff. So we go and, and we go out to like white people land and, um, Marin, like I, I didn't see any. Hey, I live there. Yeah. Um, oh, oh. well then, you know, then you can validate that what I'm saying is true. Um, and we were on Mount Tam and it was like, it was really weird because it was like all these white dudes bicycling past us. And I'm like, I'm a white dude. So I guess I'm with my people, but they all said, Hey fella. And I'm like, what is this fella thing? Like everybody <laughs> says fella. Like I, it was like weird. What? But um, the point is, is I went with all these guys that I follow on Peloton and I'm like constantly like doing much more intense exercises than they did. Completely smoked me. I was like oh. gasping on the first hill and they're just like, what's taking you so long? And like, you know, come on, you can do it. You're like you're always killing me on Peloton. So anyways, um, you might be doing the right thing, Kava. I don't, I don't know that it, it amounts to much, but I was curious how it's working out for you. You know, okay. Is, is, it, is Fella code for Boomer? <laughs> yeah. uh, so the peloton yeah. the peloton is amazing and i highly recommend it for i mean i i the concept of it sounds silly to me i bought it for my wife as a birthday gift and it was for her but then i ended up using it more than anyone else so i i actually do love it in fact i'm trying to get sam yo to come on to our show he's one of the hosts i'm really excited about that um and isn't we're gonna share meme? isn't there a meme about like a husband buying peloton for his wife yeah, there was like a it was commercial. It was yeah, it's an ad. <laughs> Seth, can you explain what the ad was for the Peloton? No, but it was basically like I don't even remember. It was like basically like, hey, it I, was it, it was supposed to be like it was Seth. They got canceled for it. You remember? Yeah, it was supposed to be this like like good natured like, hey, I got my wife a Peloton, but it ended up being like, hey, my wife needs to work out more. Here's a Peloton. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it was like, Merry Christmas, you really need to ride this a lot. <laughs> she had that look on her face, like, where yeah. she was like, uh, if anyone wants to follow and, me, Kave MD, Kave Oh, MD. I see, so I was just asking. Okay, so I'll follow. I'm on Peloton. Yeah, yeah. What, what's, <laughs> Jen, do you want us to follow you, too? Do you, you want to give us your... Sure, it's ReproCycle1. ReproCycle, oh, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> that's adorable. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm going to follow you. What, what yeah. does that mean for us? Reproductive cycle. Oh, Reproductive okay. cycle, nice. like menstrual cycle, yeah. Nice. Like so. bicycle. Nadine, it's, about, what's, Nadine, what's it's about vaginas. I, I, I went with a, a terrifically original Sharky Laguana. That's, yeah, there you go. Um, so uh, so the, the, the Peloton is, is amazing. I love it. I got like this cold a couple weeks back knocked me out. I'd like lost my 11 week cycling streak that I was so proud of. And now I'm trying to regain it. And now that I know my worst fear has come true, which is that Sharky is actually watching what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm going to have to run double my efforts. I'm pretty sure your worst fear is like maybe jogging outside and me video recording it. So that, my worst fear is actual literal sharks and then outside of that is sharky laguana right, we're gonna go after this sharks people are scared of sharks it is bullshit do you know how many shark attacks there are a year i don't know eight, eight ten, an increasing right. number too many 
There's about a hundred, <laughs> literally a hundred in the lot. whole world. A hundred in the whole seven more than billion people. A hundred no. shark attacks. Yeah, there's about a hundred shark attacks. About zero to four are fatal. Like there's like nobody does shark attacks. Order, order in the Zoom court. Nadim has a question for Sharky. Uh, Nadim, can you ask your question of Sharky Laguana? This is going to be a really hard right turn, but let's just get to it because I don't right. see any other way yeah. to do it. So yeah. you're in politics, so I thought this might be a good question to ask. I don't you. know that I'm in. Well, I guess I am. All right, go ahead. I'm not an elected official, but whatever. Go ahead. Go on. Well, I mean, maybe you run in the same circles as elected officials. Well, obviously I do. Go, please proceed. So maybe you can uh, kind of enlighten me about the mindset of elected politicians. But, you know, recently we heard about London Breed going to French Laundry, Gavin yeah. Newsom going to French Laundry. Yeah. Uh, you know, even like a few months ago, Nancy Pelosi going to the, the hair salon. Yeah. Basically, all people who are progressive Democrats, you know, in a progressive Democrat state, we all have, you know, their social distancing rules, uh, all the rules, they, they speak like they care about this and all that. Yeah. Why do they do things like that privately <laughs> when they say things publicly? Now, um, Speaker Pelosi uh, went to the spa to get her hair done um, during a time, uh, it was either the day before or the day, uh, I think it was the day before spas were, were allowed to, um, you know, do service indoors, um, which almost certainly Speaker Pelosi knew. Um, you know, I don't, I, the, the optics are one thing, but we're going we're gonna to talk about the optics in, in, in a second, right? Like, I, I'm just saying, uh, there was nothing that she was doing in even the spa she went to was not like some like, you know, $10,000 uh, blowout. This is just a, a normal spa that people in the neighborhood go to. Um, Governor Newsom, a little bit different, uh, 12 people uh, indoors, semi-enclosed. At one point, they even shut the doors because the group was loud. Um, uh, that, that one's uh, rough. Uh, and I think even Gavin's acknowledged that was a mistake because uh, he is responsible for telling everybody you can't do that. And then he, you know, turned around and, and, and did it. Um, London Breed, um, a little bit of misfortunate timing there um, because uh, the group that she was with meets the criteria for being allowed, both in Napa and at San Francisco at the time. Three days later, uh, she did uh, shut down uh, indoor dining, but even it was three days later. Um, and, and if I sound like uh, an apologist and, and a defender of Mayor Breed, it's because I admire her greatly, to be, to be candid and, and honest with you. I've, I was appointed by her, but I, I was, I'm not saying this because I was appointed by her. I was probably appointed by her because I already ad admired her. But setting all that aside, what is this all about then at the end? It's, it's about the optics, right? And, and the, the question is, okay, first, who, who pushes and promotes the optics, right? Well, you know, typically it's going to be a journalist, right? I, uh, Heather Knight, who wrote that article, she's a neighbor, a friend of mine. I, I know Heather really well. Um, you know, from Heather's perspective, she's a journalist. The, the stock and trade of journalism is to find things that people will click on, right? Like that are, are uh, you know, something that, that generates some sort of energy. 
And what generates energy about these kinds of stories is that it is food for the haters. Um, the folks that, that are, are already opposed to these people's policies, this is you know, what they've been waiting for. But, and this is a critical, critical point, uh, while, while it creates a lot of energy around, um, around feeding on this stuff, inevitably, because there's nothing uh, substantial uh, that comes out of it, either in terms of policy or um, in, in, in terms of actual political leadership, because political leadership is not a single decision to um, eat in French laundry. It's a long string of hundreds or thousands of decisions. I mean, if, if your entire career could be brought down by one bad decision, there is no way Gavin Newsom would be mayor, or sure. excuse me, governor, um, because he's, he's made lots of decisions far worse than eating at French laundry. Uh, but the, the reality is, is that in two weeks, three weeks, nobody's going to be thinking about this or talking about it, uh, because we, we, we all will have moved on. It's, uh, really, it's, it's also a diversion from the focus on, uh, what are the actual health orders that we collectively need to adhere to, to, uh, make an effort to control the pandemic. And I know that was a really long winded answer. So thank you for entertaining, for humoring me on that. You know, I guess for me, it's like, I'm not one of the haters, you know, and it's like, I am following the orders. I haven't left my house. I haven't gone to a restaurant and to see those kind of things happen. It kind of makes me feel bad. It's like, I'm following these orders, but the people in positions of power, either, the, I mean, maybe they're technically following the orders, yeah, it's but, bad optics. We all, yeah, I mean, we yeah, all know I, that, right? I, I, As doctors, it, we all sort of know that it's bad. We have to set an example and we have to do certain things, you know, and it's bad optics, even regardless of everything else. I think Shark like a really good explanation for why these things happen. Um, uh, yeah. We all have, uh, you know, look, we all have stumbling moments in our personal lives. The, the difference between us and an elected official is we don't have... Uh, armies of people waiting to catch us in that sure. one moment where we made a, a you know some kind of a poor decision uh, or less than ideal decision, and then amplifies it to the point that you know everybody in the state is talking about it. I thought the issue was they actually broke rules. I personally, I I'm a doctor. I do feel this um, uh, obligation to behave as I would like people to behave as well. I think we all do that as humans, but I do feel like a responsibility as a, in my profession as a doctor. I've definitely gone out to eat outdoors and I have been in restaurants, not recently since the third wave, but indoors with a very minimal capacity, 10, I 25%. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't want to, but I, I did yeah. once. And, yeah. um, and I thought that controversy and maybe um, you guys know better than I was that you know, what Gavin Newsom or whatever was being accused of was breaking the rules, was eating indoors and not necessarily at limited capacity. I, you know, if you, if you are following the rules, Nadim, if you are staying at home and not going out to eat, but they are going out to eat and they're following the rules, I think that's well, okay. It is about optics and they are following the rules that they have mandated. If they're breaking the rules that they themselves <laughs> have mandated, I think that's not that forgivable. Again, in the, in the Trump era, I think we've, really kind of stretch the definition of what forgivable is, but like, you know, I don't want them to be uh, impeached or whatever, but I, I don't right. think that's okay to- I agree. Not. I agree with Lizzie that if you're not breaking the rules, then you, you shouldn't be, there shouldn't be consequences. 
But in the setting of a pandemic where there are recommendations that you should not be going to restaurants, and certainly if you're the governor of a state where you're saying our state has one of the highest rates of coronavirus uh, of the United States, and then you're spotted having a private dinner in a restaurant with no masks and not following any guidelines at all, then that definitely is a problem. And so, I mean, Gavin Newsom is definitely a, a political figure that you can love him or hate him. Um, I mean, he has definitely a, a history that speaks for itself. Right. But in, in, th- in this situation, I mean, I think going to a restaurant, not following his own guidelines, that, that's problematic for me. And I think we it's fair. That- We're talking about the Speaker of the House, the Governor of California. These are serious politicians. And, you know, like, these are be- like our media environment sucks and there's horrible both sides of them that compares, like, Trump giving, like, you know, his daughter went to meet Angela Merkel, but, like, you know, Biden has somebody who worked for McKinsey once. Ooh. Like, like, they do not, if they do not realize that going to this restaurant is going to result in a man bites dog story, that they are bad politicians, and there's going to be a price to pay for that. And like, you got to recognize that. Good point. Okay, hold on a second. Let me, before Jen, I let Jen uh, make her point, which I want to, I want Jen to make her point right now. But first, I have to introduce Dr. Stephen Sample, who has entered the chat. Dr. Stephen Sample, hey guys. hello everyone, everyone. Dr. Stephen Sample, Holy- Sample. Oh, hey. Holy crap. Hey, guys. I'm starstruck, man. I've got, like, the superstars on here. You, you do. Speaking of which, Dr. Gunter, what were you going to say regarding Yeah. This? Thank you for acknowledging my superstar status. I didn't have the floor. Um, so, and this isn't about vaginas. Um, but uh, Or is it? It's always well, about vaginas, really. It's always about kind vaginas. Kind of is. So I guess I agree with everybody here and there's different opinions, but I think that you have to put what happened in perspective and considering everything that's going on, you know, it's a, it's a small blip, but clearly you know, they actually did break the rules. There were more than three families there, but something that is, I think been missed in all of this discussion is Gavin Newsom was with the chief executive officer for the California medical association, the CMA someone else who should have known better. And so there were, you know, these are lobbyist groups. And I get that politicians have to raise money. I get all that kind of stuff. But, you know, they had more than three households. So that's the, that's what they, that's the rule that they broke, um, was that they just, they had a gathering of more than three people. At the time, it was completely legal to go eat outside. It was completely, you know, all of these other things were completely legal. So it's a small, it's a small infraction, but the optics, you know, when you're the governor and if you're, you know, the chief executive officer for the California Medical Association, um, this is what the New York Times reported. So I'm just going to assume that they're, you know, that they're. You know, I, I just want to say briefly, um, the, the governor's dinner actually started in sort of a semi-outdoor setting. It's, um, you know, these sliding glass doors that were open on all sides. And then somebody uh, in an adjoining table complained about noise. And that's when these doors got closed. Um, but th- that doesn't excuse the fact, as uh, Dr. Gunter correctly stated, there was clearly more than three households there and the optics on it were, were terrible. And out of the three of those three examples, I would definitely say Governor Newsom's was, was the most egregious, yeah. uh, followed by probably Pelosi's, which was uh, maybe a technical violation, but a violation nonetheless, followed at last by uh, uh, Mayor Breed's, which 
was not actually a violation of, of any rule um, that we know of, uh, but uh, uh, perhaps was, was an optical misstep. She had the misfortune of, of having a dinner at the exact same restaurant that the governor did the day after he did, and, and I, a month later it became a thing. I have no yeah. problem I mean, I think, with the extravagance of going to French Laundry. I plan to go there at some point. I'm just waiting to, you say $300. I think with wine tasting, it's like six to $700. Well, I could, oh, it, I, it's I, more I, than that. I, I like I've been. But, uh, <laughs> right. Well, I've been. I want, it's more than that. <laughs> yeah, I'm it's sure. I'm just that. waiting for a great reason to blow that much money. And now with all the savings from like not traveling over COVID, maybe. maybe all that extra COVID, all that COVID coding money you're making. Oh, right, exactly. All this extra money we're making as doctors, making the COVID cash. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, speaking right. of, Dr. Steven Sample, I had to miss your interview yeah. because I was cashing I know. on my COVID death money. So I apologize. I heard. Pleasure no, to it was nice you. to finally meet you in real life. Yeah. Thank you for joining yeah. us for our 100th episode of the house of pod we should we've been drinking I'm, so we apologize yeah oh, nice uh, i i just started okay so i will tell you guys i think am i the only person out here on this chat in like actual flyover country i think ryan is ryan marino Dr. i'm ryan. in cleveland same, yeah same. it's kind of are you going city. are you calling cleveland flyover country that's <laughs> no that's i'm calling i'm calling flyover. I'm calling Southwest Indiana oh, flyover country. I'm sorry, Cleveland uh, is drive-through country. You yeah, just drive. That's right. right. You don't sorry, Ryan. Well, I you guys to vote for president, so you get you don't count. Right. I don't now, I'll tell you. I'll tell you guys. You guys may be surprised how I, I came in on the backside of this conversation, but out here in the middle of Southwest Indiana, this is not a blip. Like it, it's shocking how good the other side is yeah. the right you know out here fox news is on every tv and now it's getting okay. boycotted for oan and newsmax and right. this shit plays out here oh, like yeah. one little blip from gavin newsom and you get 30 of my townspeople that go fuck all you guys to see i i told you wow. this was crap and it, it really does mean something it's got to be hard to be a politician but it, it it really does play even in southwest indiana what gavin newsom's doing at the french laundry you know I and mean, it's crazy yeah. right. do you see um dr sample do you see that um less denial of covid these days um, um in the midwest you know, I think it's hard, you know, because you hear the noise, like if you live on Facebook, it's in complete denial, but, but I meet patients every day and it's not as bad. I think um, we're seeing enough cases locally in our county now to where everybody has actually known somebody who has it. And you may have even known somebody who got sicker than shit um, early on in this, because, you know, this sort of closed in on us for the coast. So our your all second wave was our really our first real taste of it. Right. Um, so I think they're just now learning where where I am. You know, our hospital starting to fill all of our referral centers. The the three major cities close to us are Indianapolis, Evansville, Indiana, and Louisville, Kentucky, and all of their hospitals are are filling. We had a we had a guy who needed emergent dialysis in yesterday. Uh, the last time I checked on the board, he had been there 14 or 15 hours, um, and I haven't checked again. <laughs> so, uh, and he was he should have gone right away. He had a potassium of close to eight, and you know all that. So, do you think it's going to change behavior? Like the fact, I just my biggest worry is that all this huge these waves and the deaths, people's behavior aren't going to change. You know, they're just going to no. be like, well, I don't want to. So until I think it hits their household, maybe. I think everybody's tired. Um, they just put a plea from me and my local paper today to the community. Um, and immediately I got, 
you know, the jackasses who I may have seen them in the past and had cross words with them. Everybody was attacking me. They were having to edit in real time, you know, but uh, um, I don't know. I mean, I think that half of us are doing, well, out here, half of us aren't doing the right thing. Uh, maybe 30%. Um, but my county went four to one Trump. So it's not great out here. Yeah. The, the, the conversations around masks in particular are, are seem sure. to be really challenging. Um, and the farther you go to the right, the more challenging that gets. You know, maybe a question for the group. Um, you know, this is part of the, the challenge that comes before the, the business community as well as what's the trade-off uh, between sp spread and economic impact. Uh, and where do we draw that line? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this one. I'm gonna start with, this is so different from everything else we've seen. This isn't like the housing crisis or whatever, where there's like this weird thing in the economy and economic forces lead to some mis, you know, imbalance and it needs to correct itself. The economy doesn't work because people get sick if they participate in the economy. The economy is not gonna get better until we get the pandemic under control. Like that's it. Like we can't power through right. this. We can't make people go to stores. We can't make people go to restaurants. We can't make people, make people buy stuff. If people can't partake in the economy without getting sick, the economy can't work. We need to fix the pandemic full stop. So yeah, I, I, fundamentally, I, I fundamentally agree with you, but let me, let me take the devil's advocate position um, just so that somebody can take the other side of that argument. Um, but I, I want to be clear that that is not actually how I personally feel. Personally, that's, uh, I, I share your opinion. But the devil's side of that argument would look something like, well, um, you know, let's, let's take a, an extreme outlier like North, North Dakota right now, which has the, uh, if it was a country, it'd have the highest uh, death rate per capita in the entire world. Um, and yet, uh, despite not doing one fucking thing, um, over the past, I don't know, week, week and a half, uh, the, the case rates are dropping. Um, and, and so the question is, you know, among, say, um, some of the, the uh, Stevens uh, uh, neighbors and, and community members would be, well, look, if, if most people don't die uh, and it's going to drop you know, you're, you're going to hit this peak and then it's going to drop no matter what you do. Is this really worth pillaging our economy? And, and you know, I know your argument as well, the economy is going to be pillaged anyways, but I mean, is, is, so, do we know so that? So I guess, so this is going to affect the economy. And the way we can stop the economy being affected is by getting the virus, the pandemic under control. But saying that other countries around the world, they have seen that containment works, um, non-containment does not work. These policies where people do not do masks, do not do distancing, that doesn't work. That's bad for, bad for the country, it's bad for the economy, it's bad for mortality, it's bad for human beings. Yeah. So I, I really don't know what the question is, but we, we, need, to, we need to do <laughs> masks, we need to do distancing. <laughs> Okay, Stephen. I, 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 no, I think my I think my response to that, you know, the devil's the cases are falling. So the question is, yes, North Dakota or South Dakota, whoever we were talking about, they haven't done shit. But at some point, when you start to see enough of your fellow citizens die, I assume that people are taking matters into their own hands. You know, so I assume 
that you see the cases fall because we know we're not getting herd immunity. So I, I imagine that people are modifying their own behavior just based on the fact that, holy shit, all these people are starting to die in my state. Uh, I would, you know, I haven't left, I, I've, other than essential errands and to get this mop of a head cut, I haven't been out of my house in 10 months. I'm fatter than a pig and I'm ready to freaking drink myself to death. You know, the other dynamic I noticed, right, is the sort of, uh, is kind of related to tragedy of the commons. It's like tragedy of the abstract. If it's, if it's not happening to me, right. then it, you know, it's, it's, it's just over there somewhere. Like I remember when uh, in San Francisco, the day our sky turned orange. And I, I kept trying to articulate the horror um, to, uh, you know, friends that, that lived elsewhere. And it was, it was you know, it's like sort of a perplexed thing. And yeah, that sounds really bad. And you could just, and then I realized like, you know, you, you read about like these uh, terrible fires in Australia and you're like, well, that, that looks really bad. And then you move on and you go get your ice cream or, or your TV or whatever. And I, I think it's like that with COVID. Like if it's, if it's not, like I just remember Governor Christie after he went to the hospital and then he came back and he was like, this thing is real. And everybody was like, yeah, but that's just something that happened to you. <laughs> well, that's the question is like, do these events change your behavior? Like not, maybe not even your own personal COVID trauma, but like your father's death or your, your grandpa or whatever, like, does that change behavior? Like, you know, I, this lack of empathy until it affects you or your household to me is an enigma. I do think the orange sky was made me feel a profound sadness that I haven't felt in a long time. It's very hard to convey what that day or couple of days is like. But the COVID empathy and someone dying in tragedy, you know, we've seen enough movies and TV to like, I'd like to think that we can understand what that is. But to think that people don't understand until it hits their home is, is a lack of empathy that I can't empathize with. And yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel you exactly on that. Yeah. Uh, that's what I've been begging for empathy, but you, can you really teach empathy or do you have to learn it? I think you, I think empathy is a learned skill. Um, and we've had a good opportunity to do that as physicians. Right. But a lot of people don't, they go through their lives. They live in their little bubble. Um, what's happening outside is happening outside. And so maybe you've got to feel it. I mean, shit fire, I guess. I mean, everybody, we're proving that we have to feel it. Yeah. Uh, right. But, you know, I'll, I'll take an optimist stance now though. Um, which <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm completely comfortable taking all sides of an argument. Wait, Sharky, uh, how drunk are you? Before I'm just Sharky, kidding. he's not. Yeah, I, Sharky's I, not drunk enough. I, no. I, I have one drink uh, once a week um, okay. uh, oh on, on Friday. Yeah, I beat you uh, on the hour, big boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, taking the optimist perspective, um, we turned around a vaccine. Um, for a type of virus we've never developed a, a vaccine for, using processes we've never developed uh, before. We now have AI folding, um, uh, uh, what, folding proteins. Um, uh, you know, that, that was something that just came out and uh, announced. And, and we turned all this around very fast. In fact, um, I believe we had the vaccine that we are now getting ready to deploy that vaccine was being shot into people's arms in late February. Um, mm. and, and what we're seeing is, is really just the fact that it's cleared all, all the testing. So the optimist perspective, um, 
with re with respect to the the fires and the orange sky, like because I worry a lot about environmental issues, right? The yeah. optimist perspective is properly mobilized. Uh, humans can do amazing things um, and and really tackle problems that just seem insurmountable. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that we'll be able to move the masses of of of, of humanity with us, and we we clearly have massive challenges just getting people to think about things in, in a coherent way. But, but the optimist take is look at what, look at what we did. That, that actually makes me feel like we got a fighting chance. Yeah. Well, yeah. listen, on, on that note, we're going to close this 100th big massive episode because that's about as optimistic as I think we're going to get on the house of pot. <laughs> um, I have to say though, really from the bottom of my heart, all you guys that have been on the show, you are some of our favorite people. We've, some of you we've known for a while. Some of you we just met recently. Um, and we really appreciate everything you guys are doing. We love you guys. We love hearing what you guys have to say online. We love that we've, uh, even in this really crazy, awful time of COVID, we've been able to make new friendships, which to be honest with you, my age, I didn't really think was possible. So <laughs> really do from the bottom of our hearts, appreciate that. So thank you guys so much. As the sole person um, on this call that is, is not a medical professional. Um, and Nadim, and Nadim. Uh, oh, okay. Well, let me, let me just say to all of you, um, because we, we don't get the opportunity to say it enough. We, we, uh, us pure mundane citizens, uh, deeply appreciate everything all of you are doing. Um, and just words can't express, uh, uh, but those of us who are thoughtful know how hard that work is and, and how periodically, uh, and whether you're working in COVID or not, because the entire medical system is under stress, um, we're just blown away. Uh, we, my neighbors still come out at seven o'clock and bang the pots and pans and stuff like that. So, uh, uh, I was promised you. a song, Sharky. I was promised a song. <laughs> where's my, where's my song? Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, oh. There we go. Okay. I was, uh, I, I was hoping people would just stop not wearing masks and not, not socially distancing. So. Oh, <laughs> Is he doing Bohemian Rhapsody? Anyways, I gotta go actually. All right. All right. Bye, Sharky. Thanks, Thank you so much. Tell us, tell oh, people yeah. where they can find you, real quick. Uh, Sharky L on Twitter, uh, Office of Small Business and the Government, uh, President of Small Business Commission, and uh, uh, Creeper Lagoon on Spotify, and uh, uh, Sharky Laguana on IMDb, and. Uh, uh, on Pacer Law Service, uh, Digby Adler Group, LLC. <laughs> right. for, for Ryan Marino, the band Creeper Lagoon was something that, that we used to be played a lot on a, something called MTV. 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 <laughs> music <laughs> television. Right. I am going right. to send you what? some links to watch did, did they play music on this music television? They played sometimes. all music all the time. Sometimes. <laughs> wow. Music and television used to be combined i just don't ryan ryan i'll tell you what television is off air okay. <laughs> well i will tell right. you guys i'll tell you guys real quick that during covid it turns out you guys are like my like six best friends um i don't have any other friends so it's really it's really good to know you uh, and for those of you in the bay area my daughter's moving to san francisco in january so i can't oh. make i can't wait to buy you guys a uh 
a drink in real life. She got an apartment down in the marina. I know you said, yeah. yeah so uh, no, I, I said good. mission, but marina's no, cool. No, no, marina's no. cool. Marina's good for a young buck. So tell yeah, her yeah. to yeah. tell her how to find us. Thank you yeah, so we much, will do everybody, for, sure. for coming on. Right. Oh, Anytime. I gotta go. Thank bye, you for bye, what you guys. Do. Bye, Sharky. Uh, Stephen, tell people where they can find you. Oh, I'm just at Superman Sings uh, on Twitter, and that's about it. Everything else is anonymous. <laughs> or you can find him on some television channel near you talking about something. Uh, yeah, Friday. I'll be on with on Friday night with Brian Williams after sometime in the eleven o'clock hour. Oh. I don't have a time slot yet, so me and my boy Brian. Steven. Yeah. Right. We, <laughs> All we right, man. Love you, man. Yeah. All right. Love you guys too. Thank you so much. You guys. Take it easy, buddy. Congratula- congratulations on your milestone. It's awesome. Uh, oh, hey, Lizzie. Yo. Lizzie, if you want, if you want to add some diversity to the show, I think you have too many GI doctors. If you want to add a big, dumb, white, redneck ER doc, we can kick this guy off. Replace you, uh, for we'll t- Done. Yeah, you, you're not diverse enough. I'm, Done. I'm you could add another whitish. ER doctor right, right here. Right. <laughs> yeah. We got yeah. a couple ER doctors Done. here. All right, I think you have too many so doctors on the show. Don't don't yeah. let Seth, don't let Seth Truger get in on this. No, it's gonna be me and me and Nadim forever. That's All right, nice. thanks so much, All right, guys. Thanks, Love man. Hey, right. Seth, uh, man, thank you again. You you're so much fun. We love following you online. Can you please tell people where they can find you? Sure, I'm on Twitter at MDAware. Oh. And uh, you're also one of these guys that pops up so pleasantly on the tv when i'm watching sometimes like thank you for doing that well thank you ryan where can people find you on twitter at ryan marino um obviously i absolutely require any listener who isn't already following these guys to follow them they are our go-to sources for information and they should be yours too guys thank you so much for coming on um lizzie nadim thank you guys 100 episodes i'll see you back here in 100 episodes nadim what do you think? <laughs> uh, maybe it should be the thousandth episode. All right. Yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a <laughs> lot to ask the next, you to come here. I'll see you the next 100. Well, Ryan, I'll see you the next time Lizzie decides to go out and get drunk when she's supposed to be like interviewing. Or We're Seth, not supposed to go out and get drunk, Lizzie. Outdoors. That's right. Outdoors. Yeah. Outdoors. You guys are our go-to You're not uh, allowed guest to be host. drunk, Lizzie. You're not allowed to enjoy yourself. <laughs> so Ryan's going to mantling to you about not being drunk right now. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Wait, wait one second, guys. Sorry. Uh, Someone, I'm hearing a squeaking sound in the background. What is that? That may have been my chair. I was. Oh, my God. That was my ass. (laughs) (laughs) Save that for the outtakes. Grab yourself okay. a nice drink. Relax. I took a drink. I made myself a... Ah, shit. I just spilled it. <laughs> Hang hey, on. What, what did you spill? What was it? One of the can I, can I tell my right. damn story? I am technically one of the hosts of this show. I'm gonna Are we even recording story. right now? You know, as, oh, we're as, recording. As the other host, I'm cutting all of this shit. This is <laughs> terrible, terrible. podcast. Oh, like, there are things like cigarettes and vape that kill people. Like, like, we don't need to worry about sharks. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult a physician or other qualified health care provider for your specific health care needs or concerns. The opinions expressed on this podcast do not represent the opinions of our employees. Details in the podcast have been changed so that patient identification is not possible. And now I'm a-
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.